Hey y'all, it's your girl Ronika with the Please Do Tell podcast and we are back with another episode in the series of What's Your Why? I am so excited to have our next guest here today. I'm not even going to introduce her, she's going to introduce herself, but just know we got stories. (laughs) We got stories. (laughs) stories we got like late teens early 20s stories you know oh what i'm lord. saying yeah we do so go ahead girl oh lord <laughs> hi everyone ranika <laughs> it's so good Jenny. to be here with you oh my god yes so um i'm jamil bell uh i will tell you who i am today since we'll go back in time to talk about who i was mm-hmm. so you don't judge me <laughs> <laughs> ain't no judgment over here now um, but I am a executive project management professional um, with 15 years of experience building businesses. I'm currently the CEO of Hive Over Matter and a professional life coach for black women in leadership and their teams. And so I consult and I go in and help them to design systems and workflows and project management solutions to scale their growth. So. Mm. That is what I do. I love women, particularly black women, and I love our growth and um, really providing resources and support so that we can stay connected and, you know, just live life, love and wealth and health. Like that is what it's about. So that is who I am. And um, I'm so happy to be here with you in particular because we have been friends for (laughs) Okay. About 15 of those years. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty, pretty long time. And life just winds us around and kind of takes us in our own places. And it's so good to see you doing what you're doing and just be back. So I'm honored to be here. Girl, you came out swinging. Come on. Okay. Battery. (laughs) (laughs) So, girl, okay. So. Within this series, we introduced this new segment of At the Playground, and that's simply because it was three years of elementary school, I had no recess. Okay. And so I feel like At the Playground is where you have the best stories. You're on the swings, you're meeting your friends, y'all get to, y'all chit-chatting. I mean, that's when those real, I feel like those real friendships are birthed through yes. stories and playtime. Yes. So yes. if you can think about a story or a time in your life that is like, whoo, child that really yeah that that, that that shaped me into who i am today <laughs> what does that what what is that story girl <laughs> i need it it was the setup for me okay so <laughs> so there's two actually that Ooh. come to mind from the playground things that shape me i think that if i were to just reach back and say oh okay those were defining characteristics that are still uh in full use today mm-hmm one, so uh, I went to elementary school in um, Bolingbrook, Illinois. It's a Chicago suburb. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we moved to Kalamazoo in high school. Okay. And okay. so, you know, so that's a whole other story. So anyway, so it was still bitter cold, and I was a crossing guard in the fifth grade. <laughs> 
Oh, this going to be good. <laughs> I was a crossing guard in the fifth grade, and I would help all the people to cross, you know, safely from one side of the street to the other. And I took my job very seriously. <laughs> wanted to make sure everyone was safe and sound and on their way with due diligence. Okay. But I also felt like I worked hard. I should be able to play hard. And it just so happened to have some ice on the ground. And so all of the kids were gone and I was doing my sliding skating thing. And I was just like, Ooh, figure eight, I could be an Olympian, yeah. but I wasn't. I wasn't, and I fell. <laughs> I was the perfect example of why you should be following these rules. See, what happens in life is we can show somebody how to do a thing and be like, you know what? I'm not going to take my own advice. I learned at that moment to start taking my yeah. own advice. That was a good lesson for me because sis got stitches right across here. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And so that did. That shaped me, right? Like, so, like... <gasps> Having fun is important, <laughs> but also taking care of yourself matters. <laughs> so another one that comes to mind, and I think this kind of like has been like part of my advocacy. Like I've been working in advocacy for a really, really, really long time. I'm not, uh, I, I used to be a community organizer and now the way that I work in advocacy is helping black women to advocate for themselves, not to write ourselves out of our own story and how to take care of ourselves and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because like as a child, I really didn't like playing the dozens. You remember that? You didn't? I didn't. I was... I didn't. I mean, it was funny when it was funny. I, yeah, I can yeah. laugh when it, I can't not laugh if it's funny. But I also, you know, I grew up in a big family and we were taught to take care of each other and hold each other down. And, and you know, they would go in and I just was never good at it. I just didn't have a heart for it. And so I didn't like it when people got picked on. Okay. 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 I get that. You know, I just yes, did it. Okay. And so I remember this one little girl and I was always tall mm -hmm. when I was younger. And this one little girl, she was not, but she was so sweet. And, um, these kids were picking on her and I hated it. And I, yeah. and you know, you kind of try to mind your business because your mom says, mind your business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I tried to mind my business, but I just really didn't like seeing the injustice and just seeing it over and over again and so I had to stand up for her and at the end of the day they weren't gonna say anything to me because you can't whoop me they just so what you gonna do because you can't whoop me what are you doing today <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to hold her down <laughs> and uh, I did and and over the course of time, like, you know, she would speak up for herself. But at the end of the day, like, I think I probably just became known of just being a bully's bully. Like, mm. don't don't come bringing that negative energy in my space because I won't I'm not here for it. Yeah. So those are two things that <laughs> have shaped me from the playground. <laughs> I'm mad at you for making me remember those things. I blocked both of those out of my mind until this very moment. <laughs> When I say the dozens, like I learned how to play the dozens because I was bullied. So I had to learn how to hang with the ones that were saying such things. You had to clap back. Yeah. Early. Early. And, and even like now when I run into people, even from college, like running into Dewberry, 
And he said, you can still hang with the dudes, man. <laughs> when it comes to talking junk, you can still hang with the guys. I said, well, I've learned from some of the best. Have so, time. I mean, I had y'all as my audience. So, even some <laughs> of my target practice was on y'all. So, I appreciate that. But, no, it's even my cousin has said on one of the episodes of the podcast before, he was like, no, I am the bully's bully. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you mess with somebody, especially somebody in my camp. I'm going to mess with you. It's going down. Yeah. It's going yeah. down. We, it will not be tolerated. I will not have it to. <laughs> I will not have it to. <laughs> I so appreciate those stories. I do. <laughs> I do. So good. And I will point out that you are the second conversation that we're having today, and both of you all had on red glasses. Come on. I said. Listen, these glasses give me life. There's like little things just to bring joy yes. to the day. Yes. And if I, I've had to wear glasses since the first grade. Really? Oh, I've been blind a long time. Okay, because I was fair. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I've been mm-hmm. blind for a really long time. I mean, you know, progressively, <laughs> the eye strength gets worse and worse and worse. Yes. And so I finally was just like, you know what? No, this is just going to be a thing. We're just going to make this fun. And I love these. These are some of my favorite glasses. Yeah, I'm here for it. I am. Come on, girl. Yeah. I see you have. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> come on, accessory, yes. accessorizing. You know it. You know it. <laughs> so I know since that point in your life, like you've went away to college, you've had children, you've married. Yeah. So how does that turn into who you are today? Like what has happened hmm. along that journey? And then we're going to go into what's your why. Mm. Okay. So all great questions. So actually, let's start at the just milestones like if you were to kind of like look back or if I'm to look back over my life and just see what were the milestones and the pivotal points that kind of led me here Mm -hmm. first of all being the youngest of a seven right I have five brothers and I have a sister okay right large family and blended family okay we were doing you know, the blended family before the Cosby's made it popular on TV. We were trying to figure that thing out, right? Way back when. Yeah. And uh, and that was a significant milestone, you know, because for me, as a little girl, I thought, first of all, my brothers were the most handsome, athletic, coolest cats on the block. Mm-hmm. I still do. Yes. Right? Yes. My sister was the finest, flyest. Yes. I still do. Yeah. But it's interesting, like, and I, and I grew up in church, of course. I think that that was absolutely foundational and, and salient for my identity and my connection with spirituality. I've journeyed through since then, and I have a, a language that I use to speak about my relationship with God and with spirit that's very different maybe than what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. But it was really like my starting block, right? And so I think those two things combined were the foundation for me to understand that we choose our family. Yes. Because when you're a blended family and as a child, you don't know all the layered stories that every individual is dealing with or carrying on their own. And as you grow, you have the privilege, especially if the relationships are there for certain things to be revealed to you Mm -hmm. and to look back and to know that we continued to and continue to choose each other is really, really sacred to me. And so that's a, a huge foundation there. 
and also spiritually, um, again, you look over your life and you say, what are the things that maybe um, were difficult to deal with? But at the end of the day, when it's all when it's all like said and done, my reliance on intuition Mm -hmm. and spirit and like that guidance of knowing that I am because God is, is like salient. So that's kind of like that first piece. Yeah. So then you fast forward and you journeyed through high school and college, went to Western, Mm -hmm. which is where we got connected. You know, ran havoc. (laughs) (laughs) Just ran it, okay. And um, and I did my first work here in Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. So I know your audience is everywhere, but of course you have a love for Ben Harbor. So yeah. shout out to Ben Harbor, yeah. my family. My parents are both from there, but you know I grew up in Kalamazoo and did my first work there with advocacy and program management and fundraising and leadership development. And I think that was a, a huge milestone for me, recognizing one, how powerful organized voices mm-hmm. and intentionality is and also recognizing how frustrating um, politics are (laughs) or how frustrating it is to to want a thing, to see a result, but to be asking someone else to be accountable for it. I think I learned in that milestone the desire to have autonomy and ownership over the results that I create in life. That was significant that I got through organizing. Let's. I'm gonna pause for a minute. How you feeling? <laughs> have you been in my pocket like all week? Says our spirits have never yeah, left each other. Never, never. Okay. Because even when we talked a couple weeks ago, I just was like, oh my gosh, you have been here this whole time, girl. The whole time, I have never yeah. left you. Yeah. So, milestone. Also, also imposter syndrome I was introduced to that concept at that time Mm -hmm. right because that is also when I had a very public persona doing a lot of work you know both for uh, my sorority Delta Sigma Theta sorority incorporated okay then okay for my (laughs) church for for my nonprofit all these things right but then um, also confronting that voice inside that is like oh my god one day they're gonna find out you don't know what you're doing Mm. Right. And having to journey through that. So I took that with me when I left to go to Florida. Right. And so in Florida, the biggest milestone that I got there was understanding the concept of duality, that humans are not one thing ever. Mm. They are always multiple things. They are complicated. And I am one of them. I am one of the humans. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so I had to learn how to meet myself for really the first time as an adult. You know, you kind of have the narratives of what you're supposed to be, either because they come through your faith or they come through your family Mm -hmm. or they come through society. But then you get to a place in your adulthood where you have to decide whether or not those narratives are the ones you want to espouse, if they're the ones that are really going to continue to write your story or if you want to pick up the writer's pen, you know, or the executive director chair. What do they have? They have chairs? Chair. Yeah. Executive director. Yeah, there's a chair. See, metaphors sometimes can go to the left. (laughs) They can go... (laughs) But you hear where I'm saying. And I was over like, yeah, no, director's chair. Yeah, chair, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, see, yeah, yeah. spare moved. 
And so it was at that time because I was definitely going through a time of healing and, you know, transformation and, and re-identification. And so um, when I left Michigan, I had sold everything that I owned, mm. packed it in my Ford 500. And if it couldn't fit, it wasn't coming. I'm yeah. talking about relationship, audit, everything. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Deuces. There's people to this day that didn't know I lived in Florida. <laughs> I've been there for 10 years. Because I didn't know. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Had to just go. Had to go. And so that's when I got into education and um, coaching and development because the work really started with me first, Mm -hmm. figuring out what I needed. And out of that birthed out, you know, my T-shirt line, out of that rebirthed my poetry, out of that rebirthed my speaking engagements and the curriculums that I was making for women. It was really all self-healing mm-hmm. stuff. And then I recognized like, oh, other women need this too? Great. Yeah. Um, you know, and my husband moved down and we multiplied and had our babies. <laughs> <laughs> bought our home and we've just been taken every day one step at a time um to live love laugh Mm. and really the result is having a life that I am really proud of Mm. like really being able to sit back and say yep I know what joy feels like I know when I'm out of joy let me check what's going on in my environment to get back to it yep I know what you know um happiness and I know what I know what these feelings feel like I know how to start recognizing when I'm getting off my path Mm -hmm. and how to bring myself back right because it's not always easy it's not but it's like recognizing your signs and signals so you know how to get back aligned yeah yeah that was the longest winded answer I don't even remember the question no it was milestone yeah (laughs) how did I get here (laughs) that's what's been happening yeah Yeah. I want to go back to imposter syndrome because mm. that's something that I feel like we don't talk about a lot. Mm. And even as black women, when we walk into these rooms and we're just like, I don't know. I know I'm good enough, but do I really need to convince everybody else that I'm going to? Because I already believe it. But even talking through that through therapy, he was just saying, if you don't believe it, if you don't own it, like you know that you speak in story and people are just, you're going to, if that's not your love language, then that's okay. Because my love language is storytelling. You do it so, so well, yeah. too. Thank you. And, but still being able to say, like, no, I'm worth this. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're going in and you're trying to get these contracts and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm worth way more than yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But we we sack ourselves out because it's almost like, well, do I need to? T- am I not good enough? Is that why I'm taking the lower wage? Mm-hmm. And then you start seeing those changes in your body that it's like, you're tense. I even said when I was driving up here today, I was really tense. Mm. And I was tense because I, I feel like I was rushing mm. and I was taking everything from the weekend to this day. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, this is what you do. This mm-hmm. is this is natural for you. This is what you love. So I think it's really having that conversation about that imposter syndrome because it's present within a lot of us. It is. And I think we need to, like, break that thing apart a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm hmm. Um, you said something that really stood out where, you know, we know that we're this, but then we have this internal conversation. Do we really need to fill in the blank, you know, commit someone else or whatever? Well, I think the reality is that there is a part of not knowing that we're still dealing with internally. Mm-hmm. Because if the knowing is there, 
the second question of convincing someone else really is a non-question. I think it's it comes like in phases though, yeah. right? Like there's parts of ourselves. I, I remember riding in the car, my dad actually is ironic. Um, and you, you know, I had said something, I think it was right around the time where the movement of self-awareness started to even be talked about, you know? Yeah. And they were like, you need to get to know yourself. And, you know, black folks, we would laugh at that. Like, I know who yeah. I am. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. I know my name. I know who yeah. I am. Yeah, I know where I'm from. I know where I'm from. Yeah. yeah. Like, real basic. But, yeah. but no, do you really? Mm-hmm. Do we really? Mm-hmm. And, and I would go as far as to say, no. Yeah. Because I'm still discovering me and I hope to continue to discover me, right? Yeah. But it is knowing who we were when we came to this body. It's the knowing that our, the intelligence that chose us, that chose to show up and manifest in the form of us, came on a mission, came with a purpose. But part of the gag is you got to find it again. Mm. You got to travel back home and kind of uncover it. It's kind of like that's the part of the the earth mission, right? Like yeah. that's the game. Yeah. And so I think that when we are when we're looking for it, when we're seeking it out, when we're trying to pay attention and ask and then be patient enough to receive the answer, we'll get a piece of knowing. Like I know my value is this that I want to give and to contribute to the world, right? Yeah. First step is knowing what I want to contribute to the world. But then the second step is believing that it is worthy and enough whether or not it is validated externally or not. And then the next step is believing it's enough and that it's enough for you to continue doing it once it is validated or not. Then the next step, you see what I'm saying? Like yes. there's there's constant steps of knowing. And so imposter syndrome, I think, is really just like, it's that cognitive dissonance where we are trying to live into the narrative that someone else gave us while trying to write our own. Mm. When we do one or the other, when we either are writing our own and then deciding that that is also the narrative that we're going to require others to also speak on our name, and then there's alignment, there is no imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Or let's say the narrative that others are speaking into you because you know, my grandmama was speaking to me before I was even ready to receive it. Mm-hmm. She yes. was like, you go. Yes. <laughs> like, but am I? Yeah. So whenever yes. there's misalignment, then that creates that imposter syndrome. But now that I'm starting to accept and receive some of that narrative, because I'm like, no, that serves me. That's what's up. My dean named me uh, Revelation. I was like, I don't know if I feel that way. <laughs> but it's it's real now. Yeah. I'm over yeah. here dropping revelations yeah. all over the place. <laughs> Makes sense. So once, you, you know what I mean? Yes. It's all about choice. It's, it's mm. taking back our autonomy. Autonomy um, and connectivity. Autonomous mm. connectivity. That's my, that's, that's what I've been working with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like deciding to own our story in a way that is authentic mm-hmm. and compassionate and patient and curious 
and unapologetic Mm -hmm. while also giving others permission to believe whatever they want to believe because their belief about us is not a requirement for us to accept right duality remember Mm -hmm. it's this because before i really leaned into this idea of duality i personally had a very difficult time separating out what other people thought about me and it not being what I had to think about me. Yeah. Right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're trying to figure out who we are and then, you know, if we're validated by external voices, oh, Jamil, you are smart. Oh, Jamil, you're pretty. Oh, Jamil, you're these. Oh, well, obviously it's true. People think that about me. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's this separation between recognizing that other people have the right and the privilege to have an opinion and I retain the right and the privilege to either accept it or or reject it. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with my ability to formulate my own. Mm-hmm. Like they're in relationship to one another. Yeah. But this work, this unseen work is like this dance of defining our own identity and also then the relationship we want to have with other people's identity. Yeah. I just went a whole lot of ways with that. You but you tell me what you think. Because <laughs> I was honestly thinking when you said, you know, what people see of me, because it's a story came to mind is I begged for braces for so long. I think that's when I met you. I probably had braces or was I about think, yeah. to get them. Yeah, yeah. And even when you pass out, you see your pictures, you want you, you just want. It's like, okay, these are my friends. I, you sign your little message on the back. And then someone may give you their senior picture, and mm-hmm. then they sign a little message on the back. But senior year, it was like, I still felt like I wasn't pretty. Mm. And so one guy that, uh, shout out to Willie Baker. He, Willie Baker Slid, or is it Slid Baker? Oh, my gosh. Hey, Willie, you know I your must, name. I was about to say, don't That's don't what my mama would say. You know your name. <laughs> like, don't get me easy newly, but like, don't get me. Don't get me. <laughs> but but we, he was Willie Baker in high school, so. Um, he wrote on the back of the pictures um, something about a beautiful smile. Hmm. And I was like, I don't know what he's saying. Because I, I mean, I look in the mirror and I don't see it. But now that I look back, he was like, no, I saw you. I saw your spirit. Mm-hmm. And that shined through. But for myself, it's like, no, I just. Again, you, you may go back to yeah. those feelings of I didn't feel like I was enough. Right, right. Because the disconnect, right. Again, his narrative, his view was that you have a beautiful smile. Yeah. I can say the exact same thing. You have a beautiful smile, right? But where that imposter syndrome comes in is when there is conflict in the narrative, Mm -hmm. when there's a misalignment in the narrative, right? Like we we all have our our ourselves or our friends where we're like, man, if you could just see you how I see you. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? And so you have that. So we each individually are walking our own journey of, and we have the responsibility to ourselves to decide what our story is to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We think over 60,000 thoughts a minute, I think. I don't know. It's a lot. (laughs) I feel like it's always racing. We think a lot of thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have thoughts that live in our brain and we have thoughts that live in our physical body Mm. because the body remembers it does water remembers and we're what 90 percent water right so we have muscle memory 
We have subconscious. We have all of these narratives that have been learned into our body. And truth be told, because we are divine beings Mm -hmm. and we are programmed to survive this life, there were circumstances or experiences that we had at some point in our lives and we survived it. Mm -hmm. And when we survived it, we programmed and downloaded a thought and that thought had a meaning that said to survive something like this, the world must mean this. Mm. To survive something like this, you must remember that your smile isn't pretty. Why? Because if you think it is and someone tells you it's not, that will cause pain. We want to avoid pain. So just tell yourself it's not pretty. So that way you will have a different feeling than pain. Mm. You will have apathy maybe. That's a little bit more palatable. You'll have blah, blah, blah. You see what I'm saying? And so what happened, it's really all about the coding of our stories mm-hmm. and where they came from and how they come. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful part is, is we have so much power, especially you as a storyteller, like yeah. my God, we have so much power to recode the stories. The key is just the awareness, mm-hmm. the willingness to make a decision and the courage to weather the change of it. Those are the only three tools we ever need to rewrite our stories. We gotta have that patience and that curiosity. But then imposter syndrome, it'll be there because every level there's another narrative that you gotta rewrite. Every level there's another thing you gotta confront, you know? So I think it starts to go away when we reach a place of knowing that it says, no matter what I confront, at least I know I can rewrite it if I'm ready. Yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> Sis. <laughs> I'm like that. I'm One of my favorite emojis now is the one that's blowing smoke. Do you know which what? one? The, the, no, he's, uh, or he's really exhaling. He's like, <sighs> I send that all the time. All well, the time. And that's you gotta send it to me. Yeah, I do. I Shoot, I might just send it now. Come on. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, because you need to see exactly which one. It's it's a deep sigh. It's, it's an exhale. It's giving me so much of waiting to exhale. <laughs> it's like a Loretta Divine when she's, <sighs> yeah, that's how I feel. So yeah. I know we both on Do Not Disturb, but I did just send it to you. So you <laughs> okay. So. Because we went through a lot through there. I feel like that was even like a session in itself. It was good, though. It was, it was good, really though. Good. Because it's like, let's not wait to exhale. I feel like let's just exhale in this moment right now. Like, mm-hmm. like every moment that we get this much connectivity and this much awareness, like honor that bit. Yeah. Take that with us and, you know, do whatever we need to do with that. Like that is what I'm constantly reminding myself because I don't know what it is about the brain that it forgets so things we already know we have to keep reminding ourselves we have to anchor down and remind but that's just the work right like that's just life and it's making connections like this Mm -hmm. listening to podcasts like this Mm -hmm. it's you know going on retreats it's doing work it's doing the work to keep the reminders there so that they can come to us in a way at least that feels good so that we continue to refill our cup refill our energy you know and not leave ourselves out of the story you know so okay okay jamil what's your why Mm. 
to be connected. Mm. I think when it all boils down to it, everything that I do, um, the work and the grind that I have and the passion I have about self-development and about humans and the others and all of that, it is connected to my desire to feel connected Mm. to something that matters um you know so growing up in the church you know the one thing you learn is god okay if you don't learn nothing else (laughs) god is well who was god's daddy (laughs) (laughs) that will always be a question we're looking well who's his daddy well how did god get it just is yeah yes but what about it just is And I remember, so here's this, okay. So when I graduated from college, mm-hmm. um, I took my first international trip. Okay. Before that moment, my brain couldn't conceive leaving the country. I didn't even know that that was an available thing. Yeah. Like people do that. Yeah. <laughs> Often. Often. Yeah. And when I realized like, oh, that's a thing. <clears throat> I raised the money. I used, you know, I did what I needed to do, and I went and I stayed a couple months, and I backpacked across um, Guatemala. And it was, yes, girl, yes. Went and learned Spanish. I came back fluent, too. Yes. I forgot, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't forget German, too, so I get it. (laughs) But I was, I remember being so excited, because at that time, I was doing community organizing. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of advocacy work, and a lot of my work was really fighting the system and oppression and all the things. I had all the energy of a young 20 year old, you know? And I remember going there so excited because at that time they had just ended a civil war. I was gonna go and I was gonna study under some of the the individuals who served in their civil war, Mm -hmm. right? Who's gonna teach me some, like I was just ready to come back with some tools to change the world, shake it up. Yeah. And I went there and I learned some of the most profound stories and experiences of people who were living their lives. And I think the one thing that I learned was humans are humans, no matter where they live. And there was no silver bullet to fix the systemic isms, all of them. Yeah. And I remember coming home feeling actually more defeated than when I left, feeling like what's the point of trying so hard and navigating and you know you've got Cesar Chavez and you've got uh you know MLK and you've got you know Angela Davis you've got all of these you know individuals who are doing the work and we look to them and we say that's who I want to be like if I want to change the world but then you look at the world and you say man this world still is a mess And so I came home with the wind out of my sails, felt very, very depleted. Mm. And I remember, this is why this is still my, and it's so interesting because I'm not really, I'm not religious, <laughs> but this book, particularly of the Bible, was the, still today is my favorite, it's Ecclesiastes. Mm. That whole book was a story or a journal entry by Solomon writing to himself about this world is a mess. Mm. 
And when you really read it and you hear what he was struggling with, he was struggling with the same stuff I was struggling with some 2,000 years later. Yeah. And he was like, look, man, what's up? You can build an empire and leave it to a fool and then it falls. You can see the seasons change, you know, and they keep coming back again. You can, you know, do all of these things for life. You can get the riches and then it not, you still be unhappy. You can be poor and be miserable. You can have too much knowledge and be miserable. You can be a fool and be miserable. Like there's all of these ways to be miserable in this world. But what I learned is what he said is to do good and to remember your connection with the spirit that sent you. Mm. And for me, it was the first time that I released the need to have an answer for everything. It was the first time that I released the the need to like get to the end before going through the middle. Yeah. And and I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to just take a step back and know that the sun rose today. It's been here for however long. Yeah. It's going to be here when I'm gone. Yeah. And if I can learn to keep showing up just like that, mm-hmm. without any expectation from anything or anybody else outside of myself, if I can learn how to just get me to do what I need me to do mm-hmm. consistently every day, then maybe that's a win and maybe my spirit will get what it came for. Yeah. And so my why was really born there. It was born out of a need to let go of what doesn't serve me and to find and hold on to everything that will remind me to find joy, that will remind me to find wholeness and that will keep me connected to the most beautiful and sacred things of this place while I'm here. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do every day. Cause we haven't spoke this week other than, you know, just trying to make sure this happened. It was a work unto the, <laughs> it was a work. <laughs> and you're speaking to me so much right now because mm. even working in the community and it's like, you do need that motivation. Cause when I started working within the community, you have this glass half full outlook. You really do. And it pour out quick, don't it? <laughs> Girl, I was at the bottom of the glass. Like, is was there ever any water here? Was it ever present? <laughs> was I imagining was, that? Was I imagining? Did it that? evaporate, or did I pour? Like, should there be water on the ground? Did did I water the grass? What? And all the grass is looking a little yellow. It's a little burnt. <laughs> so. It's like, how do you continue to be encouraged? And when is that point when you're like, I need to move on to something now? Mm. I think that's the season that I'm in right now. Mm. Oh, my God. So, so good. Okay. That part. When is the point when we decide I need to move on to something else? So, I was recently... I'm going to go back to stories. Okay. You know I'm here for it. Because the narrative matters. The circumstance never changes. Mm -hmm. The circumstance is the past, the thing that has already happened, the facts of it. Yeah. Not the narrative of it, but the facts of it. Yeah. Other humans Mm -hmm. are circumstances. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And 
the future. Okay, these are these are things that we create thoughts in about. Okay, recently I was reflecting on my own just experiences. Right, I'm, um, you know going through rebranding and, you know, updating resume. So I'm like telling my story to myself again. Yes. And I realized, I was like, you know, I've worked in every industry. <laughs> I've done nonprofit. Yeah. I've done financial advising. I've worked in education um, through enrollment and also in teaching and training and development program curriculum. I've worked in ed tech, yeah. SAS, project <laughs> management, <laughs> marketing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, dang. Yeah. But the crazy part is the narrative that I was telling myself is that I was doing too much, that I was moving around too much. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Because here's here's the gag. I noticed a theme where I would have an experience and I would go in guns ablazing, ready to make impact, ready to pour myself into whatever the organization was, master a thing, grow to a certain point, meet disappointing expectations. My expectations are disappointed. Fill in the blank, whatever the expectations are. We all have them. Yes. Our expectations could be to grow um, into leadership. Our expectations could be to be promoted. Our expectations could be to be seen and validated for your work. It could be whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. Expectation not met equals disappointment. Okay? So then what I made it mean was that maybe this is not what I should be doing. Mm. Let me try something else. So then I go and I try something else. And I taste it and I see like, oh, I like this about that, I like this about that. Insert expectation, not met, equals disappointment. Mm -hmm. hmm, maybe this isn't for me, yeah. let me try something else. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so you yeah. do that, you do that, you do that. Until finally, I get to the point where I'm like, wow, the good news is I have acquired so much skill set yeah. and so much knowledge about what I am good at, what I'm not so great at, and what I really want to do. So I would not have changed that path at all. Right. But what came with it was some insight that showed me a theme that said, okay, when I feel disappointed, is the default behavior to do something else? And if that's the case, how do I deal with the disappointment in my known gift of excellence and purpose path? So let's say you find your purpose path, you're in it. Mm -hmm. It don't change, but it certainly will bring disappointment. Yeah. So then making the decision of how do I want to engage on purpose? What is the story I want to tell myself that will help me to shift that disappointment into another feeling? Because the thing that we don't recognize about feelings, I think as Americans particularly, we are not well equipped for emotional regulation. Mm. We de-emphasize and really devalue the benefit of emotion. We call it frivolous, you know, meaningless, all of those things. But really, emotion is kinetic energy. It is movement, right? It's the, it's the thing that pushes the physical body into the direction that produces the results. And it's a diagnostic system. And as spirits in this human form, we actually have the divine privilege and access to 
every feeling on the menu. And every feeling on the menu is equally valid. Anger Mm -hmm. is valid and it serves a purpose. Mm -hmm. Disappointment is valid and it serves a purpose. Joy, all of these things. Because the vibration is lighter, we like to feel happiness. But grief is a valid and necessary feeling that must be felt. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit weightier. It's heavier, right? And so what happens if we don't have emotional regulation tools, which is what I help, you know, women in leadership, because black women in particular in leadership need more access to emotional regulation tools. If we don't have access to that, then our default often is to avoid it, reject it, suppress it, right? Or not acknowledge it at all. Mm -hmm. And so then it continues to program the body. And when it programs the body, it's producing results. Mm -hmm. And then you run into these results and then you have thematic recurrences all across your life and you jump across all these things. And then you finally look up and be like, well, what if I wanted a different result? Yeah. Then the only way to get the different result is to go back confront the feeling reprogram it right Mm -hmm. and then make the conscious choice of how you want to weather that change and that's what I help women do all day long this is what I'm working out (laughs) so what you think about that it's just like you need to just sit in that for a second just just sit in that for a second because um and with you bringing up grief and just the grief work that I've been doing for, um, oof, how long has it been? We, the first story that we ever, first woman we ever followed, one of my good friends, Kendra, mm-hmm. who today it makes 19 years without her father. Wow. And I had to deal with my own grief in order to help others to identify like, no, that's grief. Yes. That is grief. Like I yeah. still, I'm not a licensed professional. I will refer you to one, but that first is like knowing. It's that awareness of like, no, that's that's grief, honey. Yep, that's absolutely. Grief. That absolutely. hoarding, that's grief. That running from, that's grief. That we need to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I think going through that journey of listening to other people's stories of how they were going, how they were responding on their grief journey, helped me. And hopefully helping others, but it it will sit right here in that chest, and you're like, no, I got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got to do something about it. Yeah, because grief is powerful, right? Like when I um I I went to visit my dad's uh, site yesterday. Actually, went and sat out there with him. Mm-hmm. And the thing about grief is it is a feeling it is a powerful feeling and that power can be directed just like any other feeling Mm. right like we can never forget the power we have as autonomous beings to tap in to our emotions, to allow them to get really curious about them, like genuinely curious, like what do you have to teach me? Yeah, Grief, because you came to teach me something. Yes, yes. What can I get from you? (laughs) Yes, 
and, yes. and, 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 and how do I not let you leave me the same mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a way that serves me and this world? Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. It ain't about stopping it. It ain't about rushing it. It ain't about explaining it to anybody else but yourself. It's yeah. about tapping in and allowing it to move because when it moves, it can create the results and the outcomes that we need in this life for ourselves and for our loved ones. Because we're just a ball of connectivity. We're all a network. Yeah. Spirits running through this life trying to figure it out. We just all trying to figure it all out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure it out, girl. So that's it. Just tap in, girl. Ooh. So we're getting near the end of our conversation. And we try to do this thing, final thoughts, and not mm-hmm. Jerry Springer's final thoughts. <gasps> Please, no. No, not those. <laughs> like, we didn't, you know, no. But what, before closing out this conversation, what do you want people to take away from our conversation? And even if they want to continue the conversation on their own, hmm. what would be your final thoughts? Hmm. Girl, we talked so about so I know. much. <laughs> no, we we went from the playground, talk about being a bully's yeah. bully. <laughs> To letting go and finding self, honey. (laughs) I would say um, if there's anything that I could offer, and I'm going to offer this to myself, to you, and to everybody else that we could just pick it up, put it in our pocket. Engage with life with curiosity instead of judgment. Mm. I know I should have brought my props today. (laughs) Just going to offer that. Engage with curiosity instead of judgment. Because if you really think about it, you can't actually be judgmental when you're genuinely curious. You kind of can't, right? Yeah. But curiosity, I've learned, is a superpower. Mm. When we become genuinely, authentically curious about ourselves, about others, and about this world that we are navigating through, curiosity leads us to conclusions. It leads us to exploration. Mm-hmm. It leads us to discoveries. It leads us to, you know what I mean? The thing yeah. that fills the cup back up. Yeah. Like if yeah. we can get curious about what's happening in our physical bodies, like, oh, this is stress. Yes. This yes. is what this feels like. I wonder what I could do to relieve this. Maybe that would be creating some boundaries for myself. Maybe that would be journaling a little bit and and kind of rewriting the story. So if if no one else tells me something, I can tell myself something that doesn't make me feel crappy every day. Mm -hmm. Maybe it looks like going to a chiropractor. Just getting curious about what we're experiencing, who we're experiencing it with, and then opening ourselves up to receive the answers that the divine wants to give us at all times, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If we can get those two things, curiosity and then openness, I truly believe that the answers we're looking for, they're already present. Mm 
mm-hmm. in us mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we can o- unlock access to them and that it will guide us to connecting with the support and the resources that we need to stay filled, to stay energized, to stay powered up so that we can power through yeah. onto whatever that next chapter is of our lives. Girl, so you're good. <laughs> Like, it's the sigh for me. It is because it's been tense. Up in <laughs> therapy was rescheduled to next week. I, I was going down the highway literally like this. Girl, we are here for it. And the, again, this right here, like this work, what you're doing, this, this is therapy right here. This is ministry. This is. Ch- you know, soul church. This yeah. is poetry. <laughs> this is professional development. Yeah. This is all of the things. So I, it was so good being here. It, I'm, I'm so glad so you had glad. me and that you made it happen. Cause yeah. Girl. <laughs> it was no, whew, for a minute. We can't, no, COVID is still present. And no, we can't do this. So. <laughs> I promise I had that I on saw default. The moon. I, I saw, saw it. Moon. You saw it, right? Look. <laughs> I saw the moon. But you know that happens if they call back to back. Y'all can't talk to me. Yeah, back to back. If they call back to back, yeah, no. it will. It will. It will we're chime not, through. We're not yeah. doing that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. They just want access. They just want access. Uh, denied. They, they just. <laughs> Jamil, I'm so glad you came. You and too, we were friend. able to have this time together and reconnect. And um, there's more to come with us. Oh, facts. Clearly. Oh, facts. Clearly. Yes, yes. Ooh, so we're going to wrap up this conversation for the Please Do Tell podcast. What's your why? And Jamil, we got to, how can people find you? You can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn, okay. Jomil Bell, all just like that, okay. J-O-M-I-L-B-E-L-L, Jamil Bell. All right. And uh, yeah, come and uh, connect with me. Wait, but you have your own podcast as well, so we want, we want to shout that out too. I do, The American Griot, okay. com, and also on Instagram, The American Griot. Griot has a silent T at the end. It's G-R-I-O-T. All right. Check it in. Check it in. It's all about storytelling. It's actually about releasing the burden of black trauma and finding creative ways to heal and recharge. So come see about us. Yes. (laughs) For sure. You know we all about Come on. We try to heal. (laughs) All right, y'all. Until next time. Thanks again. But you'll probably be seeing her soon again. We'll be doing something. Yes. Something real, real dope. All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Bye. Woo. Girl. Bye.